Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. You have locked into Employment Notebook, a podcast designed to help individuals in the workplace, no matter what role you might serve. Now, this time we're taking a look at some managers, possibly in each of these places of business, encouraging them to find ways to help their employees become leaders themselves. To discuss the different ways this can occur, we have Peter Economy joining us from San Diego, California. Now, Peter is a best-selling author, having written numerous books on management. He's also the associate editor for Leader to Leader, so a nice fit for this topic, obviously. Peter, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into sort of the subject, we always like to get an idea of where our guests are coming from and uh, what their professional experience is like. So if you could fill the listeners in a little bit on, uh, on what you bring to the table. I'm uh, I'm in San Diego, California. Been here for about oh 20 years or so. Um, I come out of a management background originally. I was a, a manager um, in a software company here in San Diego, in charge of administration, so things like HR, accounting, uh, purchasing contracts, and I, I became an author along the way too, and started working with Leader to Leader magazine uh, 12 years ago. And I've been writing books ever since. I've been writing books uh, mostly in the business space. I've written over 60 books now. Uh, mostly about business management leadership topics with a variety of different uh, thought leaders, uh, CEOs, and uh, entrepreneurs. Great. Obviously, as I said, just a, a perfect fit for us. So hopefully the listeners are tuned in now and paying attention. And Before we get into the idea of sort of encouraging others to become leaders, we always like to ask this question. How do you define a leader yourself? Uh, that's a great question. You know, it's it's funny because um, leadership is one of those intangible things that that it has kind of baffled uh, <laughs> you know, the academics for, for many decades. How do you define it? I'll, I'll give you two definitions. The first one is by Peter Drucker. Uh, I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker. Sure. And he puts it in terms relative to management. So he says that uh, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. Hmm. So, you know, being a leader is being the person who sort of sets a vision for an organization the person that, that, that paints the picture of what the organization is going to be right. and then encourages people uh, to follow. And, and that's one more definition of a, of a leader is someone who has followers. That's a, a pretty um, easy way to define a leader, someone who has followers. Well, when you're breaking it down for yourself, I mean, obviously you have all this experience in a couple different areas, really. Are there certain aspects that you would always point to, though, as saying, like, this is essential if you're truly going to be a leader or truly going to be, uh, you know, have those leadership aspects? Yeah. Well, there, there are definitely a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, you, you can call them leadership traits, you can call them aspects, whatever you want to call them. But, but clearly, you've got to be able to paint that vision for one thing. You've got to have a, you know, kind of a big picture mentality. Instead of getting all caught up in all the, the nitty gritty of an organization, which is what managers typically do, mm-hmm. you know, how things operate, if, if the budgets run, you know, exactly correct, all the different operational aspects. You know, leaders are more of a big picture kind of people and, and looking out to the, the future. Uh, another thing that they do is they inspire action, um, you know, through their own um, leadership skills and leadership traits. They inspire others to, to take action and to, to make an organization uh, work well. They're good communicators. They're people who could communicate well. And listen well. I mean, it's not just talking. I mean, you you, you may imagine a, a great leader as being someone who can give a great speech right. or, you know, kind of lead that way. Well, they also listen well. They can listen to their people and honestly take in what they say and, and then take their own, you know, maybe adjust their own actions as a result based on what their employees are telling them. And they're great supporters and facilitators. They, they support their people. 
they don't just you know leave their their people out to out to dry. They they actually support them. They they try to make them leaders themselves, and that's something else I think that leaders do, that really good leaders do, is they create other leaders in their organizations. Well, that uh, right there, you can tell you're an author and an editor because a perfect segue into our uh, into the meat of the topic here, and it is that idea that all employees should be leaders in some way, not just your managers or your executives, as as you've talked about. How is that truly beneficial for everyone, quote unquote, to really be a leader or have those leadership traits? Right. I guess what I should say at the outset is is that not not every employee is going to step up and, and take on leadership sure. um, roles. So I think that's something that everybody should understand right at the outset is that, that many people will when given an opportunity, but some people just don't want to be leaders. They prefer to be followers, and that's fine. You know, let that happen. But I, I'd say the majority of, of employees actually would like to take on at least some leadership role, maybe even a small role. So the, the advantages of doing that, of, of a leader allowing his or her people to be leaders, is that decisions could be made much lower in the organization instead of it having every decision having to go up to the top of the organization. I mean, in the worst case, I mean, you've certainly heard of examples of companies where they have seven layers of, of, of managers, mm-hmm. you know, supervisors, managers, and then, then executives. And for any kind of decision to get made, it has to go up through those seven different layers up to the top and then on back down to the seven layers again, which can take, you know, days, weeks, months, usually a long time. Right. Often, by the time the decision's made, it's 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 already the events have already kind of superseded that decision, and 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 it's no longer valid. So, by making leadership happen at a lower level, with where the customers are, I mean, this is often where the customers are, is at that this lower level in the organization. Mm-hmm. Decisions get made more quickly. They're often better decisions because the people making them often know the customers better than the the top executives do. I mean, they know their problems. They know their the good and the bad, really, and they can often be often be made less expensively because, again, you don't have to have that big hierarchy of of, of managers in the middle who who just you know kind of pass on decisions up to the top of the organization and back down all the time. Does that really just become a, th- a matter of trust? Because I feel like in those situations, if you're instilling this opportunity for someone to be a leader and, and make their own decision in this case, you clearly have to trust that person. So do you think it's yeah. a general mistrust that why this might not be happening in organizations? I think that it, I think that's one of the key reasons. I think that sometimes it's mistrust where someone, a, a leader, is afraid to let go of a decision, afraid that his, his or her employees are going to make a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, the trouble with that is is that people learn by making mistakes. Sure. And this is something that I, I've been, you know, talking to a lot of leaders about lately is that they want their people to take chances. They want their people to, to innovate and to be creative and to take risks. You've got to give your people the, the power, the authority, the, 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 the leadership opportunities to do that. Otherwise, they, they won't. They won't innovate. They won't be creative. They'll just, you know, check the boxes and that's it. And you, you'll never, your, your organization is going to be stuck. Hmm. On the flip side, some people might say, well, isn't there a downside to having all these people making their own decisions and maybe additional conflict or some other issues? Do you address that sort of aspect when talking about uh, instilling this leadership in everyone? Yeah, I think that there's, you know, what, what you've got to do as a part of, when, if you do pass leadership down through the organization, you've got to have really clear guidelines. I mean, mm. you've got to have a really clear corporate culture, for one thing, about how, you know, what the values of your company are. You know, what are your values? What things are acceptable? What things are not acceptable on, on a large basis? And then drilling down deeper, 
you've got to have really clear guidelines as to what's acceptable and what's not. For example, accepting a deal that's uh, that's only five percent profit deal may not be acceptable to your company. You might have a guideline that says, you know, you employees can make decisions on making deals, but only as long as they're ten percent or above profit right. to the company. You cannot accept something that's below ten percent. A company, what was it called? Uh, the Gore Company, which makes Gore-Tex. They had a concept back, I don't know, it was 10, 15 years ago, called um, below the waterline. You can't make a decision that could that could potentially sink our company, that could, could damage our company below the waterline. It's going to cause our company to sink. Hmm. So decisions that are, are, are going to be have an impact on our customers, but that aren't going to potentially sink our company, are, are, are welcome and encouraged at, at lower levels. But they do have guidelines that certain kinds of decisions cannot be made except by um, top management. You know, the, the decisions that could potentially put their company at extreme risk. Right. No, I think that that sounds like a perfect idea. To your point, you have that minimal mark that they have to be reaching, but still gives them the freedom to possibly, as you said, make a deal or, or whatever the you know, actual job might entail. Uh, that that seems to sort of bridge the gap between trust and being able to make sure your, your company's not going to go under in some way. Yeah, and and the flip side of of giving authority is is, give, is making sure that people take responsibility. I mean, you can't give authority without people taking responsibility mm-hmm. for their decisions. So you do have guidelines, you do have feedback. So if people do make decisions, you give them feedback regularly. On one hand, you give them feedback on good decisions. Boy, you did a great job. Thanks so much. That was a terrific decision. Please keep doing more of that. If they made a bad decision, you say, geez, you know, that, that, was, a bad, that was not the right decision. <laughs> Here's why. And, but learn from that, you know, and, and learn from that. And then know that next time you make that, you know, you're in that same situation that maybe you'll make a different decision. Right. Along those same lines, then, what, what would happen, and maybe not in a sales situation because you're talking about, you know, sort of hardline money there, but maybe it's a design, maybe it's some sort of aspect of marketing. What happens if a manager would be 100% against, you know, a decision somebody made and they completely just ignore or they move in a different direction? I would see that as possibly having some negative effects down the road. So how would you recommend handling that if there is a, just a strong conflict in the way one person wants to go versus perhaps their manager? Yeah. Well, again, uh, I think guidelines have to be clear. Okay. You know, you have to when you, when you are a leader and you're going to allow your people to lead and encourage your people to lead, you've got to set the guidelines clearly with them. You've got to let them know that I'm still the boss. I, I'm still responsible for the performance of my unit. Sure. You know, my my unit has to perform. It has to make X amount of profit. It has to do this much revenue. You know, whatever my guide my guidelines are. So I am personally responsible for for attaining that. So. If, if I come into a conflict with you about a decision, then ultimately I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to everything you've got to say. I'm going to listen to the pros and cons. Please try to convince me that your decision is the right one. Hmm. But if I decide something different, it's not. don't take it personally. It's only because I've, I've got to make sure that I, I do what I think is right for my, you know, my own organization. So I may overrule you. And that's, that's, that's a key you know, a key thing here is that, you know, the boss is still the boss, you know, even though people are, you know, leading down the line, um, he or she still has to, to make sure that um, he, he or she makes her, his own uh, goals. So, you know, I think it's just being clear with your employees that you, they may occasionally get overruled, and that's just part of the way it works. Sure. I feel like part of this would be, as you mentioned, the, the manager, the head of department, you know, whatever their actual role is, they, they still have the ultimate responsibility of their unit. 
And they may have more information than what those everyday employees, you know, for lack of a better term, they have more information than what they might actually have you know, in their own ideas and what they want to do. Where do you draw the line? What do you think is is correct, so to speak, and sort of that transparency, that opening up the information, allowing employees to understand how something works, how the finances are working, how one area affects another. I guess where do yeah. you draw the line? Because information obviously is important in this case. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm personally a big fan of what's you know what's called open book management. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Stack, um, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, was a big proponent of that. Um, with Springfield Remanufacturing, and I think he's in Missouri. And uh, basically, I mean, opening up your books to your employees and and not just opening them up, but also uh, educating them on how the the financials for your company work, you know, and, and then explaining to them how they fit into that. So well, how does what is an employee do, how does that affect the profit of the company? How does, you know, what an employee does, how does that affect the revenue? Mm-hmm. How do they actually play a role? So... I'm a big fan of, of trying to get that information out to employees at all levels. You know, you don't want to bog them down with it, but you want to, them to understand the main numbers, the key numbers, right? And make sure that they understand how what they do impacts those numbers. Do you see a certain downside or negative to that? I mean, I can hear employers being like, "I don't want them to see this," whether it be a, you know, maybe they just feel they don't want the team to get too excited or too down, depending on what yeah. they see or recognize? Or, I mean, what would you point to maybe as being maybe a little bit of caution when utilizing this, you know, sort of open book management, yeah. as you called it? Well, I think if there's any caution, it would be to make sure that you're giving them the information that they need for their own area. So, for example, let's say you're, you're, you're leading a, a, an accounting team, for example, and one of the key metrics is accounts receivable and making sure that they get paid quickly, mm. you know, that, that the invoices aren't sitting out there for months and months and months not getting paid, that someone's paying attention to that. The people in the accounting department don't necessarily need to, need to know what the metrics are for marketing or for sales, you know, but they sure need to know what the metrics are for their department. I, I'd, I'd be completely transparent about everything to do with, with their department and give them all the numbers that they need to know about how their department works and how that affects the bottom line of the company. Um, the longer that those invoices stay out, stay out there unpaid, how that affects profit and, and revenue and everything else. So that's what I, I would do is I, I would make sure that I didn't just flood my people with, with information. I would, I would be very specific as to uh, giving them the information they need for their own uh, organization. Sure. Now, obviously, we've been talking about the idea of information here, and at times maybe I may be working on something that involves another department. And you had also mentioned earlier the idea of hierarchies and going through different you know management chains and that sort right. of thing. I guess, how does that work in your mind then if, if say, I am trying to, to work with another department, do you still feel that in trying to encourage that leadership, it's more of an open working as opposed to, okay, I got to go here, then they're going to go here, and then it's going to get back to me? I mean, what would you sort of suggest in, in that area? Well, I, I definitely think it's beneficial for employees to cross boundaries, to, okay. to break out of these silos. I think a lot of organizations uh, tend to, to grow, you know, really hard walls and silos. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the employees don't cross those boundaries, and they really don't get to find out what other other departments do, what their roles are, how they can interact together to to benefit one another. So I'm I'm a huge proponent of 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 creating uh, you know cross functional teams where you pull employees from different parts of the organization and different levels of the organization and create teams to get things done, 
you know, specific initiatives, um, whatever they may be, that, that, that definitely benefit the organization as a whole. And then you give that team the information that team needs, mm-hmm. um, again, to do that job. So, you, you know, you charter them to do a specific task. Make sure that they have the information they need to get that task done, and even if they are from different parts of the organization, different levels. You know, you've given us plenty of information, some examples of of ways to, as we talked about, maybe help employees become leaders, take on those traits, uh, at least the ones that do have the interest in that. Are there any other areas or, or little ways, maybe subtle ways, that you would encourage, um, you know, management leadership uh, to really encourage their employees to take on these roles? Um, well, I, I think part of the things that are, you know, part of the key thing is is to make sure you give people opportunities to lead. So, you know, part of of being a manager, part of being a leader is to, you know, periodically assess the performance of their employees, you know, um, usually every six months or once a year, whatever uh, each company does. Mm -hmm. But I think as a part of that, you develop your employees, you create development opportunities. So you, you tell that employee when you sit down with them, you know, over the next six months, I'd like you to take on more leadership opportunities, more leadership roles. And here's some things, here's some specific things that I, that we're going to do together to start doing that. So it may be, I'm going to ask you to start deciding what we're going to order for this office, you know, supplies, for example, depending on what the, what the position might be. Let's say it's a receptionist. I'm going to put you in charge of, of you know, talking with all of your coworkers and deciding what, what supplies to order this, this you know, next month. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work with you to create a budget for our office supplies um, and, you know, how to do that, how to look at the prior year's budgets and then use that and then what the needs are for the upcoming year and then to create budgets. So I think it's a matter of, of the leader, the manager, actually helping the employee see those opportunities and then, then actually giving them the authority and the responsibility for doing that. How about on the flip side, maybe a little bit, we're talking about ways to encourage them, but what are some of the common mistakes a manager, for example, might make when they're trying to encourage and it might have a negative effect or maybe it has no effect at all, what mistakes would you point out? Certainly one big mistake is then, you know, when you when you give someone um, the authority to do something and then, then you shoot them down, mm-hmm. you, you constantly shoot them down. So I've seen that many times where you'll be in a, in a staff meeting, a management meeting or something like that, and they'll say, I, w- I want your ideas. I want you to, to come up with ideas. And then people come up with ideas, and then, and then the, the manager, or the leader, whoever it is, doesn't listen, does, just sort of files them away, says, well, thanks very much, you know. <laughs> or, or even in the meeting saying, that's, that's a stupid idea. I mean, I've seen Ouch. that, and I'm sure everybody has, yeah. yeah no, or, <laughs> that's a dumb idea. Where'd you come up with that? Um, so, I mean, you can, you can shoot people down, and they won't bother. They won't, they won't bother to, to lead. They won't bother to be creative. They won't bother to innovate when you shoot them down. Uh, that's a huge mistake. How about on the other side of things, if, if my manager is trying to give me that opportunity to be a leader, what mistakes are common for that individual when they're maybe trying to step up or prove that they can take on this role? Yeah, I, I think that maybe not having the training, not knowing what to do, because maybe the leader thinks that you know more than you really do, hmm. or maybe the leader forgets that they need to train you in doing something. I've seen that many times where you know, someone will be delegated a task and they really don't even know what to do. So what that, what that person who's been delegated the task, the person who's being, being expected to lead, needs to do is to tell their, their manager, well, wait a second, I don't understand how to do this. Right. Please tell me, you know, explain to me what I need to do. But often they're afraid to do that, so they'll just sort of muddle through and they, it, just, it, just, it doesn't work out or they may, not even, they may just not, not even do the task. 
So they need to step up and, and tell their manager what kinds of assistance they may need, what kind of training they need, what kind of resources they might need. Do they need money? Do they need someone's help, other parts of the organization to help? They've got to step up and, and, and tell the leader what they need. I think that's a huge thing. I think that's a great piece of advice. I, we've probably all been in the situation where we don't want to ask because, it, you know, we might think it shows some sort of incompetence or unpreparedness. Right. Um, but I, I love hearing that from you, just giving the listeners the idea, look, it's important to ask so you're doing things the way that uh, is being asked of you. Again, Peter, you've given us a ton of great information. We always like to give our guests the last opportunity to give our listeners a takeaway, something sort of to wrap up everything we've talked about. What would you throw out there in terms of this subject and hoping to encourage some leadership in, in our employees? You know, from what I've seen, you know, organizations want their employees to be creative and to be innovative. They want to get an edge in the, in the marketplace. And the best way to do that is to allow them to lead and give them the authority and the responsibility to lead. And, and to create new things. So I think you'll be surprised um, what happens when you do that, the good things that will result. Well, Peter, thanks again for giving us your take, uh, both on leadership itself and how people in those positions can hopefully encourage all their employees to be those leaders as well. And uh, we'd love to have you on again if we get the opportunity, but thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. Of course, that was our expert guest, Peter Economy, Associate Editor of Leader to Leader Magazine and a best-selling author in the areas of management. And if you were with us at the beginning, he's had a ton of experience himself in management roles. That will do it for us today, though, on Employment Notebook. Feel free to send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our programs here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 